Hello, and welcome to the June 28th, 2022 episode of The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. This is Craig W. Hurst, Emeritus Professor of Music, podcasting from my music bunker, along with my faithful canine companion, Carmel the Wonder Dog, to share with you my latest musical interests and discoveries. I claim no special inside information about the latest or greatest music, nor do I know everything there is to know about music. What I am is a lover of music. I enjoy several genres of music, and I share with you what has currently caught my interest, old, new, outdated, and everything in between. Even old music is brand new if you've never heard it before. The universe is a, of music is a vast one to enjoy. From my discussions, you might find something new to you and of interest to expand your own musical universe. I currently receive no compensation or motivation of any kind from any recording label, recording artist, or estate of any performer or composer, dead and gone, to discuss their music and or recordings. Now with that out of the way, welcome to my musical universe. My guest today is Meredith Lazowski. After spending the last seven years working in the healthcare tech industry as a user experience designer and lead product designer, Toronto-based singer-songwriter Meredith Lazowski has returned to her creative roots with her debut album, Other Way Home, out in June of 2022. On the album, Meredith blends strong vocals with alluring lyrics and a unique voice for our times. Other Way Home presents a collection of ten distinctive songs, each beckoning like a siren tempting us to take risks and face our undying desires. It offers an exciting array of soundscapes mirrored to the landscapes of life. From the vast spaces of the prairie to the haze of the urban bar, and to the solitude of a cemetery. In this monumental album, Meredith combines the genres of alternative folk and country. In many ways, this album was a way of coming home for me, she says. We had a lot of guitars in the house, and my dad played guitar while I was growing up. My sister and I took conservatory piano lessons, but I really wanted to learn guitar. So at 13, I ended up teaching myself the guitar and I have never stopped. She and her family often played music together and this provided the real impetus to write her own songs and perform them. Her sister Bronwyn is featured on background vocals. Her father Brian has a guitar solo on the song December and her mother, Catherine, helping create the marketing materials. It was important for me to include my family in this project, as they have been a part of this since the beginning, Meredith says. Meredith began to compose and eventually sing her songs on local stages, at schools, and at universities. 
you could feel the sense of community rooted in these songs, which were first enjoyed by friends and family in living rooms and around campfires across the country. Prairie and the song December were composed in her high school years, while others like Navigator and Running Circles were written later in her 20s. Each song is uniquely independent, both in style and sound, but the collection coalesces as a comprehensive retrospective and captures Meredith's stylistic range. With her real-world experience in design, Meredith's involvement in album production was comprehensive. She was involved in all aspects of the album's creation, using her skills from her design and art background to create an artistic whole, combining music, composition, visual art, photography, videography, and branding. She envisioned this album as an experience meant to be listened to while in motion, driving, cycling, running, walking, on our personal journeys where we reflect and pause to see our lives in perspective. It came together like magic, thanks to the wonderful production of Juno Award winner Justin Rutledge, says Meredith, of the five-day recording session. He matched the soundscapes to my original visions. Rutledge brought together a notable team of musicians to perform on this album with Burke Carroll on pedal steel guitar, Miranda Mulholland on fiddle, Devin Henderson on bass, Tom Juhas on electric guitar, Kelsey McNulty on piano, whirly, organ, and accordion, and the fine work of Joshua Van Tassel on drums. Other Way Home offers listeners a journey of new beginnings, of familiarity, of both the place and feeling of home, of old chapters not forgotten. It is an album for those looking to get lost on a journey and then find their way, encouraging the listener to rethink love and friendships and blending landscape and sound in a unique fashion. Indeed, we could say that Meredith's creative journey on this album becomes our journey as well. It is my pleasure to welcome to my musical universe, Meredith Lazowski. Hello, Meredith. Hello, hello. It's really great uh, to have the opportunity to talk with you today and to have you as a guest on my uh, podcast. Uh, I guess one of the things that uh, I'm excited to uh, hear about, and uh, I'm sure my audience will be as well, is you just came off the release of your new album, Other Way Home. In fact, you had the album release show this past Thursday night, June 16th. So tell us about the venue where you played. Yeah, so we played at the legendary Cameron House in Toronto, and um, it's one of my favorite rooms in the city. It's been a room I've been going to listen to music since I was about 20 years old. Um, uh -huh. And I, I always dreamed of playing there. So this is my first time ever playing in this venue. And it was an unreal night. It was it was so much fun. Um, lots of family and friends were there. Um, and we ended up selling out the place too. So it ended up being just a really amazing um, group of people, amazing vibe. And 
and I couldn't have asked for a better release, just that being my favorite room in the city and these being such a history of songs um, that have been with me for so many years, just it all together just came together really nicely and I couldn't have asked for a better evening. Well, so the show was then really quite successful for you. Yeah, it went really well. It was um, at the at the Cameron House. There's no tickets at the for the front room, so it's just kind of you know if the room fills up, it fills up, and it did. So we're really excited about that. So that is exciting that you had you had a good turnout, and you had to, how how was the new album received? I think it was received pretty well. It was. Um, it, it felt like a positive environment in the room. And, and so far, just from what I've been hearing as a follow-up since the, the digital release, it's been, it's been going great so far. So I couldn't have asked for a better debut, to be honest. No, very good. You've been getting, uh, you've been getting any kind of specific feedback about your songs, about, uh, oh, about the mood or the, or the temperament of, of what you seem to be putting across on the recording? Yeah, people have been reaching out about different things. Sometimes it's about, you know, how the song might relate to them. Um, mm -hmm. It's also about just, you know, how they feel with certain songs as well, too, like Prairie. Um, it's interesting when I when I talk about the song, um, people then kind of come back and say, yeah, I felt that way, too. Like I had mm -hmm. that feeling when I listened to it as well. And so, so far, just positive. And a lot of people that have known me for many years, too, are just so excited that finally, this is something that I did as well. So mm -hmm. I've had, you know, family, friends, and, you know, people that have heard me over the years just uh, want me to actually record these songs. So I think for them, it's kind of also a surreal moment as well, too, just that finally did it. So <laughs> oh, well, very good. Very good. Well, you know, I, uh, uh, I had visited Toronto, although it was uh, a long quite some time ago, mid 70s. And I uh, also for many years have been a big fan of a jazz group that came out of Toronto, Rob McConnell, and the boss brass. Uh, and of course, I also know that Toronto is a major recording center in in Canada. Uh, and uh, but I'm really unfamiliar with the, the live music scene in Toronto. Could you share with me and my audience some of something about the music scene in Toronto, the, the live music scene? Yeah, of course. Um... Toronto, I might be a little biased because I'm from just north of Toronto, but um, Toronto is just every day you can find live music in the city. It's it's pretty incredible. There's a variety of small venues, a variety of larger venues as well, too, where you have a lot of major acts passing by. But I think that's the really incredible thing. It's such a central city that you do have a lot of major acts passing by, and they sometimes will end up playing at a smaller venue. Um, and then you also, if they're on tour or whatnot, and then you also have just an incredible local scene of musicians in various genres. Like you have amazing jazz, you have amazing folk, Americana, um, uh, rap, hip hop, you name it. It's just, it's such a hub for music and it's a real amazing ecosystem for that and network as well too. And, and it's been a really, especially just as we're kind of getting revived again, um, you know, since COVID, I think it's, it's been really amazing to be a part of um, part of the revival of live music coming back to the city and just seeing these smaller venues and larger venues just get revived again. It's just, it's pretty incredible to be a part of this movement right now. And it's always been that way. So it was really sad over the past few years, just not being able to be a part of live music and, and seeing live music. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, but it's, it's an incredible city for music. I have to say, um, you can find it on most corners. You can find live music. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. Well, I would I would think, you know, it's a it's a fairly it's a large metro area. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I would think that that would that would be the case. And I, I, I know it's, you know, from its history, you know, as far as recording, it's it's like I say, it's a major recording center. I have been actually purposefully uh, since I started doing my podcast, um, you know, I, I decided that I would make no difference in the world of music if all I sought out were people who were already well uh, established big name artists. Okay, so like I would have, I would gain nothing by interviewing Taylor Swift, for example. So, you know, myself, having uh, kind of not been very well versed in what's been going on north of the border, so to speak, in terms of music, I've been seeking out a number of Canadian artists and trying to make a point of, of uh, interviewing them and, and learning more about, uh, you know, what's, what's going on in the Canadian music scene. And so I've, I've interviewed people like uh, Harp Dog Brown, who was from Vancouver, and Sunday Wild, who's from Thunder Bay, and uh, just uh, did an interview a couple of three weeks ago with Sue Foley, who I believe is from Winnipeg, but she kind of operates out of Austin, Texas as well. And, uh, you know, it, it, because quite honestly, I'll be the first to admit that there's a bit of a bias in the United States, uh, you know, and, and that often we don't get a lot of Canadian artists unless they're like huge crossover, you know, uh, pop artists, that sort of thing. And I thought of something <laughs> that I will point the finger at myself about, that when you said Americana, down here, we automatically assume that means American, like United States of America, American music, right? Yeah. Yet... Canada is just as much a part of America as the United States is. And there is an Americana to Canada, just like there is to the United States. And then I was kind of musing to myself that one of the bands that I remember when I was growing up that was very much Americana in terms of United States of America was the band and they were all Canadians. Yes. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of, kind of interesting. So I, I guess what I'm, 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 I'm sort of confessing my own sins and doing what I can to repent of them and also to, uh, uh, advocate for and encourage my fellow citizens of the United States to know that uh, it isn't all just happening here, that we should look northward as well to what's going on in the Canadian scene, because you, there's a lot of great musicians and music happening there as well. But uh, um, I appreciate you spreading the good word. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then we, we forget, we forget, you, you know, we have very short memories here in the United States, but we forget that people like Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, who we so easily embrace are Canadians. Yeah. 
you know, and, uh, and, uh, and so we, we tend to get very short sighted, I think, here in the States about, uh, about those kinds of things. So I'm a, a big fan of Canadian uh, musicians and try to promote them as much as I can in my own little way. But enough about me. <laughs> I want to know more about you and about, about, you know, who did you listen to? Who were your models? for your vocal style and quality? That's a really great question. And um, I've various, various people over the years have been a huge influence, but um, I would definitely say like Gillian Welsh is a big one, just even from a songwriting perspective as well too. She's always been a huge influence. Nico Case for me, you know, mm -hmm. she's got such a range of, um, of vocals and a range of um, just, you know, songwriting abilities as well, too, and even just approach um, from a visual perspective as well, too. I know she has a visual background, just like me as well, too, so which is the interesting thing. Um, Nora Jones has always been a huge influence, more mm. from as perspective but you know she's definitely stepped into the the folk americana side of things as well too and um i definitely feel some similarities there she's always been someone i grew up listening to and um kind of aspired to to be like one day and um and yeah so i would say those are my my few real um especially women uh influences that i would i would resonate with mm -hmm. and you mentioned jill uh jillian welch uh as a songwriter that you admire uh, are there any others uh, who you maybe have, uh, maybe you feel like you emulate as a songwriter? Yeah, I would say um, like also Courtney Marie Andrews is someone as well too that I really um, love and she's, you know, kind of more in, in uh, like the newer side of things as well. And I think she takes a really interesting approach with her alt, uh, alt folk. And for me, she's been a real big influence over the past few years as well, too. But definitely like growing up, I would say um, like Nico Case and Julian Welsh were some of my main uh, influences and people that I listened to pretty, pretty religiously over over the course of growing up. So and a lot of these songs for me, especially with this album, are quite old. So I would say for especially in the sense of this this record, like those are my my influences mainly, I would say. <laughs> OK. Well, I, so it'd be fair to say that your album is sort of, a, well, we won't call it a retrospective. It's sort of like finally picking up all the pieces and putting it into one package. Things that you have written years and years ago, things written more recently. So it, it really kind of is a, is a, is, is a reflection back. Um, I thought it was interesting as I listened to the album, I felt that the overall tone of the songs was a lot of reminiscence. Uh, and in some cases, maybe even uh, a sense of regret and a message that you are smarter now because of your past experiences. Uh, some of the songs to me also conveyed a certain feeling of strength and healing to overcome past negative experiences. Now, these are extremely broad brushstrokes of my perspective on your music. And we're going to get to some of the specific songs a little bit here in the later in the interview. Uh, but would you please comment about the overall emotional tone of your album? 
Well, I, I think you definitely um, kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of uh, picking up on some of the themes. Um, I would definitely say time was kind of a resonating theme amongst most of the songs. It was like the timeliness factor. It's, um, you know, on some of them, it's about uh, timing just not lining up or um, sometimes just reflecting on, you know, how much time we have, right? And and all these sorts of things. And um, and I think in some of the cases too, it's just, you know, I was going through various different things as you're growing up. Like some of these songs are 16 years old, right? So, wow. you know, you're 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 dealing with very different things then than you are now. And for me, um, I think I've also definitely matured as a songwriter gotten over these over those years as well too and have a variety of things. Um, that we had gone through and some of those things talk to me and you know experiences maybe I've been through um, but they also can be more just abstract uh, feelings that anyone could maybe be feeling at that point in mm -hmm. time as well um, but definitely you, you talked about retrospective before and I think the idea of like putting all these songs together in a way is kind of a retrospective and a reflection back on those past 16 years but um, but yeah it's definitely a feeling of like accomplishment as well too it's like okay we we did this, we put this together, and this is a feeling of, um, of overcoming, you know, the doubt that maybe this is something that I shouldn't have done, um, and the feeling that maybe this is something I should have done a while ago, and just coming to terms with, like, I'm glad I did this now. This is a moment, mm -hmm. that, um, and, you know, things have a, a funny way of working out sometimes, and um, it's probably meant to be that I didn't release this years ago, and that I waited mm -hmm. until now to package all these songs and put them together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's kind of talking about that broadly and, and the idea of, um, you know, for a long time, I felt as I, you know, I work in the creative industry, I work in design as well, too, um, outside of music. And, and even though I'm doing that, and I'm still so appreciative of that industry as well, too, I still felt like there was something missing creatively for years. And I think there was like a yearning towards music um, for me that I just wasn't really doing enough of. So in many ways, this is a way of coming back home <laughs> for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a little bit so yeah <laughs> sure sure it was it was kind of a missing uh piece of the puzzle uh, in your in your in your uh well i don't know in your life if that's a maybe too too deep of a, a way to go but certainly in the way that you looked at yourself as a creative person and a way to uh you know kind of come across with with those things i would you know when you were talking about i remember there's two things I can recall. I can always remember when I was much younger, before we had digital photography, uh, my grandmother and I guess my parents did as well, but they would have these big photo albums, you know, and we'd flip through them and you'd look at the pay. Oh, look, there's when you were five years old. Oh, there's when you were 10 years old, or there's when you, you know, we went on this vacation here and that. And so it's sort of like, again, a way of collecting all these different little scraps, if you will, of our life and putting it together in one, one sort of, of package. Then I was thinking, of course, the way things are done today, um, I have uh, uh, an iPhone. And every once in a while, I'll get a little message that, uh, that Apple has put various photographs on my phone into an album and I and it was so timely because one of the albums that they had just put together and informed me about this morning was a collection of pictures of my granddaughter and my granddaughter just happened to be here today 
uh, as my wife and I are babysitting her. And so I, I said, uh, oh, so I invited my granddaughter, uh, Evie is her name. And I said, uh, hey, let's look at these old pictures of you. And of course, she's only five. So it's only five years worth. But, but still, you know, even even to her, she it was it was intriguing. It was kind of exciting to look back and, oh, that's what I looked like, you know, when I was two or when I was three, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, so I, I guess I, I uh, maybe I'm uh, overstating my my point, but I, I guess that's maybe a way that you look at your album. It's it's so true. And I think like it's actually really interesting, the idea of um, a photo album or, or looking back on those things, the idea of kind of like flipping through um, in a in a sequential kind of format um, is really interesting. And it's really true. Like even with the songs, I went through old songbooks, like part of the beginning of this process is going through all the songs I've written over the years and just trying to figure out which ones fit together, but are different? Like, you know, which ones, how is there variety in these songs? Yet, how do they all come together? And that was something I was kind of worried about actually initially was, are these songs too different? Are they um, coming from too different, too many different points in my life? And, and actually through that process, um, and especially as I was like, you know, putting material together to talk about the songs a little bit more, it was actually a bit of a reflection moment to be like, what was I thinking back, you know, 16 years ago when I was writing this? Like, what was my process then? Because mm -hmm. I had to kind of think back to that time. And, and I actually um, talked to my mom a lot about it. And her and I kind of sat down and we went through my, my older songs and, and we talked through it. And I found it really helpful, actually, to, to do that with someone and kind of talk it out with someone and just um, remember back as to um, maybe what was going on in that time and and uh, and also my process of writing it as well too. So I found that really helpful as well. It was kind of like in a way reviewing a photo album with someone, but instead it was going through um, mm -hmm. a catalog of, of songs essentially and some lost, lost songs too. Like some songs I hadn't touched in maybe like 10 or 12 years and mm -hmm. uh, to come back to them was, you know, pretty incredible. Like there's a few songs that I wouldn't have put in the album if I maybe didn't flip through that page by accident that day right so it's just kind of interesting how those things all lined up and um, uh -huh. and I wouldn't have it any other way I'm really happy with how uh, the songs ended up going in there so yeah yeah well very good and it, it sounds like too you've got a lot of a good support system so yeah incredible my family we've been playing music together for years growing up so for for us this was it was also a really uh, lovely family experience as well too like my family was definitely involved like even on um, one of the songs December uh, my dad played a guitar solo on that song and my sister sang harmonies she sang harmonies on all the the songs that have harmonies on the album oh. and um, and yeah so it's just we all and my mom was again really helpful on like she's an incredible writer so she was just helpful in building out some of the marketing materials for um, for the music and for um, talking through some of the music as well too. And yeah, so it was just really special to have them involved in different various aspects of the album. So mm -hmm. it was really, really lovely to, because these songs have a history for them too, because we grew up playing them in our living room for 16 years. So sure. <laughs> <it was> <laughs> yeah, so it isn't just your story, it's your whole family in many ways then. That's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, in very many ways, for sure. Yeah. I want to ask you uh, a kind of a, 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 an aesthetics type question. Uh, you know, the ancient Greeks 
used to claim that the purpose of tragedy and drama was to serve as an emotional catharsis for those witnessing the drama. One could experience the emotional pain of what they were witnessing on stage without having to bear the actual pain of what was being viewed on stage. Now, is the aesthetic purpose of your songs to provide an emotional cleansing for your listeners? Or are you, as other songwriters have done, simply serving as an observer of human relationships and making personal commentary? That's a, that's a very good question. And, and I would say it's maybe a combination of both in a way. Um, I would say in some songs, it's I'm more of an observer for sure, where I'm kind of analyzing a situation or a scenario that I've maybe been a part of or witness to and, and just kind of um, playing into uh, how I might feel in that moment or how someone else might feel in that moment as well. Um, and then in other situations too, it is more of you know a personal experience that I've actually dealt with that I'm then talking about or trying to you know maybe see how other people can also relate to that as well too in their own experiences. So I think it's definitely maybe a combo there of um, just depending on the song really, um, mm -hmm. and especially because they're so spread out. It, again, it's kind of um, it, I don't I didn't really think of putting all these songs together um, collectively. So they they all kind of have different patterns in terms of that and in terms of the approach with the songwriting even, so. Well, I, and that leads me right into my next question because I was curious to know about your creative process. And, uh, and I imagine it may be different for each song and you probably don't write every song the same way, but I'm interested to know what inspires you uh, when you write. Um, and, uh, and then once you get inspiration, do you s usually start with a lyric or do you start, does it come to you as a melodic idea, a rhythmic idea, chord changes, or do you attempt to reflect a particular mood or other cognitive imagery? That's a great question. And, and for me, I, because I am a very visual person, like again, design being my other industry that I also work in. Um, and I've always been like a visual artist growing up as well too. Mm -hmm. um, visuals are usually the starting point for most of my songs, um, whether or not it's actually like drawing something, painting something, or if it's taking a photograph of something, or even just visualizing like a scenario or a, a moment, like a captured moment in time. Um, I often like start with something visual and then it kind of carries from there. And, and I've been, I was reflecting back on, yeah, like when do, do I usually start with a, a lyric or, or do I start with a, um, a melody? And I think I've come to realize like melodies tend to be what I usually start with because mm -hmm. I tend to kind of get like a, sometimes I'll get just a feel um, based on the imagery, like how should that feel from a melody perspective first? And then I, I tend to find that lyrics flow pretty well after that. Like I can kind of um, fit lyrics within that melody well. And, and a lot of it is like, you know, doing a lot of voice memos and kind of capturing like even snippets of, of those moments and then kind of figuring out how they all are put together um, and go from there. But sometimes I do start with a lyric too. Like if there's something really specific from a visual perspective that I want to capture, then maybe I'll start with even like the first little bit of a, a chorus and then kind of roll from there. But um, 
but yeah, that's, that's typically how it starts off. And I have an, a crazy amount of voice memos in my phone of just kind of, you know, early beginnings of songs or, or kind of uh, even different ways to play songs as well, too. It's like, oh, here's another way to, to approach it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's typically how I start. And it's, it's a very visual process for me, I would say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you're, you're telling a story and you're, you're the prose, if you will, or poetry of your songs uh, is, is quite descriptive. I, I would tell you that uh, my experience of listening to your songs, I think I can capture very easily a, a visual element uh, so you're, you're good. And you're like many other singer songwriters, uh, that I've talked to, they all use that voice memo. Uh, and if there's only one I, guy that I interviewed, who's down, lives down in the, uh, Raleigh Durham, uh, area of North Carolina, who still writes it on paper. And during the course of the interview, he showed me he had a big like Tupperware tub full of little notebooks. And he, yeah, yeah, he was still old school that way, I guess. But uh, well, other than Thursday night, which was your your uh, album release uh, event, what have been some of your most memorable musical experiences? Wow. Um, yeah, so Thursday night was definitely a special one for sure. Um, but I, I had the opportunity of actually doing the open mic at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, which was a pretty incredible experience as well. I was able to play two songs, actually Prairie in December, which are on um, the album. And this was a couple years ago. And it was it was definitely one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I think I need to do more of this. <laughs> I think it was definitely a catalyst for, for playing more music. And, um, and yeah, I went to Nashville just for more of a, a trip for fun, was not expecting to play any music while I was there. And I ended up going and buying a guitar that day. Cause I was, I was looking at guitars anyways, that was part of my trip was I was going to buy a new guitar and um, yeah, ended up playing the open mic at the Bluebird, which was a wow. very 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 special evening and definitely a bucket list item for me and um and yeah and and I I recently opened up for um Boy Golden in Toronto just we were in Cambridge actually just a couple weeks ago um at a music festival called Mellow Fest which was the first year it was running um put on by Farm League Brewery and yeah we played um so we opened up for for Boy Golden then and that was a really special uh musical experience too it was the first time our our whole band um as as the band that we have today played together um live so it was really incredible that we we all got to play together it's kind of been like a few of us playing for certain shows here and there but it was nice we got the whole band together just especially getting ready for this release show as well too so um yeah it's been feeling really good uh playing with the full band again but I, I before that I was doing quite a few more solo or just uh paired experiences so okay all right well that's awesome I mean the blue <laughs> the bluebird cafe in Nashville I mean you know you always hear about you know the the Ryman auditorium but they always say that where it's really happening is at the bluebird you know I mean that's where you hear cutting edge the newest uh, of what's coming out in uh, in in country and America, Americana music, uh, so that is an exciting experience. That's it's wonderful. Uh, amazing, yeah. yeah. Few, there was quite a few Canadian artists there the night that I was there as well too, uh-huh. which was 
amazing. So there's about, I think, five or six Canadians also playing that night too. So oh. it was quite a, a cool experience that way as well. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, very yeah. good. Well, it's, uh, you know, again, it's the kind of thing I, uh, more and more, uh, I'm encountering a lot of people who are uh, either living or at least recording out of Nashville, all kinds of styles. And it's, uh, you know, really quite the, uh, you know, it is Music City USA, they say, you know, and uh, a lot going on there besides country music. Uh, so, uh, you know, very exciting uh, experience for you. And, uh, but uh, let's get right to your new album, uh, which is in, uh, entitled Other Way Home. And I want to talk about some specific songs and hear you comment about them. I'm going to give you my two cents worth in terms of what it, uh, the song came across to me. And you can either set me straight, you know, I'm not going to be offended if I'm totally wrong. And you just tell me that, no, that's not what the song's all about. Uh, but I, cause I always have to give it my best guess and then go from there, I guess. But, uh, really the first song to grab my attention is the opening track Prairie. Uh, again, you were very descriptive in your lyrics uh, of the land and the things that you, you know, you might encounter in, uh, in you know, visualizing uh, the land and, and, uh, and things associated with that. But it's, it's almost like you're really reminiscing about, you know, where you came from and what memories bring you back. Would yeah. you please comment? Yeah, you, you captured it for sure. And, and what's interesting is I, I didn't actually grow up in the prairies. I grew up in Ontario, but, um, but my grandmother, um, who was one of 14 siblings, so it's quite a large uh, Ukrainian family out there. Um, she grew up out there on a homestead. And so for years, like I, you can imagine with um, 14 great aunts and uncles, I have quite a few second, third, fourth cousins and quite a large family out there. So for years, we would go out there and spend a lot of our summers um, spending time out in northern Saskatchewan, visiting our family, you know, spending time on the farms and uh, and just that became a huge influence for me. And um, especially that like this is the summer that I ended up coming back to write the song. Um, I was taking a lot more photographs that year. I was getting into photography a little bit more. And I was really um, influenced by the way that the sky and the land met and just how much the sky, because it's so flat out there, um, you could see so much of the sky and the sky was so telling. Like, you know, you could see a storm coming from miles away. You could see where the storm stopped. <laughs> you know, you could see the rain, like exactly where it stopped. Um, if the dog ran away, you could see it running for miles away. <laughs> too, mm -hmm. you know? it's pretty incredible just you know how how telling the sky and the land are and how beautiful they are and so for me that was a huge influence and and also the family aspect too it's just like a little it's overwhelming how much family I have out there I have a smaller family in Ontario so um for us when we go out there I always just feel the sense of warmth you know and it was a big influence coming back especially that summer um I ended up looking back on a lot of those photos and just thinking about the family influences out there. And um, that's when that song hit, I started writing about that and just the feeling of warmth I had and, and the visual kind of memories of the sky, essentially. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, and, um, and yeah, I feel like that song has a lot of momentum to it. It almost feels like you're kind of in the prairies or um, like there's kind of like a tumbleweed effect almost with the drums, if you listen closely and um, mm -hmm. 
it's that feeling there of momentum and moving forward. And um, so, yeah, you definitely, I think, nailed it there in terms of reminiscence and reminiscing. And mm -hmm. that's a big, a big part of that song for sure. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely uh, recalling a very pleasant uh, uh, memory uh, from, you know, from your life and family and being surrounded by family is certainly a wonderful memory and those things associated with it. So, yes. Another song that really stood out for me was uh, your song, Old Friend. And it reminded me, or what I came to my mind when listening to it, is we have people from our past who maybe didn't leave home, didn't seek out the bright lights of the big city, and perhaps did not become very successful, at least however one may define success in life. However, we still remember them fondly from our past associations with them. Would you please talk about your song, Old Friend? Yeah, that's a really interesting take on it. And, and I think, again, this is one of those songs where it's not necessarily, I would say, a personal experience. It's more um, just talking to uh, the potential of that. So yeah, it's like you might have people in your life that were a part of your life at some point, but after a while, you know, it might just not align anymore, right? To your mm -hmm. point, maybe you moved away and you you pursued something differently and maybe they're they're still in the same scenario that they were in years ago. Um, and maybe that just doesn't align anymore. Um, so it kind of talks to that. It's about, it's about kind of making that step forward. And sometimes not everyone's going to take that step forward with you, um, mm -hmm. which I think is, so in some ways it's a, a sense of power kind of moving forward. And, and yeah, it could be applied to that. It could be saying like, you know what, if you're not going to move forward, then I am. Um, or it could be a reminiscence of that as well, too. It's kind of looking back on, yeah, that's okay. People have take different paths and, um, but I'm going to take my path <laughs> and we're going to go sure. from there. So. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, it, it, well, the other thing that kind of came to mind to me, too, is, uh, is that uh, with Facebook now, we can reconnect with people we haven't seen or talked to in 20, 25 years. Sure. I know I, I've been having that experience. Uh, in fact, very recently here, uh, a friend of mine that uh, uh, I knew uh, when I lived in Texas and I hadn't seen since... Uh, the early 90s and he found me on facebook he sent me a message and man we got caught up on well what have you been doing since we last saw each other you know and you you kind of review each other's lives and you kind of see the similarities some of the differences and and then of course you want to reconnect so we're working on that too but uh, but that that's kind of kind of what I got from from that song and and uh, and then kind of now applying that to kind of this uh, modern technology that can bring us back together with people we haven't seen for some time. Uh, but uh, yeah, be another beautiful song, uh, I think, and uh, and it and it taps very much into that emotion of seeing someone that maybe you used to know and wishing them well, even if you're not going the same direction or at the same pace. Um, your song, Ain't Too Late, comes across to me as a, uh, a breakup makeup song. Um, and, and it seems to me that the, in the song, a disagreement of some kind has occurred. And you as the protagonist in the song are, are urging your significant other to slow down to work things out. 
Like you want to work things out. It's like you're going, yeah, okay. So we had this disagreement, but let's take time. Let's just back up and, and see if we can and we can work this out and still make this relationship work. Is am I at all close in my interpretation? Yeah, you are. I think I think this one this one can have a few different kind of meanings. Uh, I think depending on maybe what you've been through as well too. But I think the the main kind of um, tone with this one or the main theme is timeliness and it's knowing that um, sometimes timing does not always line up and and I think there's no real um, like conclusion to this song it, it could be maybe something worked out or maybe something didn't but um, it's coming into that kind of realization that sometimes timing does not always line up in a circumstance and it doesn't necessarily have to be a breakup it could always it could also be a friendship it could be mm-hmm. a family member too that maybe something just doesn't align anymore. And that's just because we're in different times in our lives. And, and, and that's okay. Sometimes too, it's kind of coming to that conclusion that it's okay, but it's so true. I think I do talk a lot about, like, I feel like we're always having to hurry. We're always having to be in a rush to do things. And this is definitely about, you know, just taking that time to think about it and, and not rush. Um, and, and sometimes, uh, you need to reflect on that timeliness and, and come to terms with it as well too. So, um, but yeah, I think you, I like your approach on that one. I think it does align very well to what you had uh, mm-hmm. thought of from a meaning perspective for sure. Well, and I think you bring up another point that I obviously had not thought about. And that is in terms of just timing with relationships. And I'll give you a real world example, my marriage. I've been married to my wife now for 13 years my first marriage, her second marriage. And I don't know how many times I've told her, I said, I wish I'd known you 30 years ago, you know, because my wife uh, has made me a better man, a happier man than I've been in my life. I mean, the last 13 years have been the best years of my life because a lot because of her. Uh, And so, you know, but if, if indeed what I had said had happened, we wouldn't be the people that we are today. And, uh, and so, you know, timing sometimes doesn't always work out the way we'd like it to. Uh, and I, I can certainly see that as another way of looking at your song. And I'll go back and listen to it again with a different set of ears now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. It's like sometimes, sometimes the timing needs to play out. And then, you know, I often, I think things have a very weird way of working out sometimes. And, and sometimes things are kind of meant to be in the time that they mm-hmm. are. And, you know, you kind of have to roll with it sometimes, unfortunately, that's part of life. And so that, that was kind of my take on it. But um, I'm really happy to hear that you and your wife are doing great. And oh, yeah, a lovely story to hear. So, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's, you know, the older you get, and and I don't know at what point in your life it starts, but you know, there's sometimes when you review and you reflect on your life and you always say that, gee, I wish I'd done that differently, or I wish I had taken this path instead of that path and so on. And you can, you can spend a lot of time wallowing in regret, right? Uh, and cause I've done it, but then, you know, I usually slap myself in the face and say, yeah, but if you hadn't lived your life, the way you had lived it, you wouldn't be who you are today. And you are, you know, I'm basically happy with who I am today. So, you know, and I imagine you're probably in a similar situation, you know, you've made 
definitely have made some choices, uh, you know, with what you were doing in a career now that you're, you're really trying to uh, extend your musical side and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, you just have to kind of keep looking ahead, looking forward rather than looking in the rear view mirror, which I think sometimes we do a little too much, too much of, but, uh, anyway, that's my two cents worth. I think that sounds great. And, and I like your commentary on it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the title track of your album, other way home, I I kind of I I it comes across to me as definitely as a as a breakup song. Uh, this time the protagonist definitely having lost patience with this significant other who can't seem to figure out what went wrong or why they screwed up. Would you comment on that one, please? Yeah, I think again I I I always try and maybe sometimes take it away from a breakup or uh, right. a relationship in that sense sometimes, but. I think it's it could be about a, a romantic relationship for, for sure, but I also think again it could be about just someone in your life, um, whether or not they're just a family member, a, a coworker, a friend, even for that matter. Um, in terms of moving forward, again, like I think a lot of these songs kind of have that reflection of sometimes just making a, a sometimes difficult decision and and just moving forward with that, mm -hmm. and and I think. Um, that's kind of the sense on this. And, and for me, I always find I, I sometimes have to be stern in certain moments, you know, I have to uh, make a decision. Sometimes I find it hard to make decisions um, that are difficult, like a yes or no decision about mm -hmm. somebody. And, um, and I think it was a reflection on that where I was kind of going, you know what, I know what I want. And this is a moment I have to make that hard decision and, mm -hmm. and move forward. And, and I think like, because I know it sometimes doesn't quite fit with the idea that um, this being the title track of this of the album, but in many ways it is. It's like I made that difficult decision of putting this album together and and finding my way back home with this. So it's it's my relationship with with music in the sense um, that I found my way back home, and it's not necessarily with with a person. Um, <laughs> In this sense, so I think it could be applied to so many different things. Yes, it could be applied to a breakup too. And if that's in the moment that you're in, if that is what you resonate with, I think then then that's something you got to roll with. And that's kind sure. of a, something I would definitely say is it, it can apply to so many different things. And I think you should let it apply to whatever resonates with you. Okay, so it, it could be uh, you know uh, there, there's a lot of uh, open it's open to interpretation. Exactly. That's maybe the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Okay. And I would, say, I would say a lot of my songs are, um, you know, mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for you to, to figure out how, how it relates to you and, and impact that your way. Um, and kind of, so, so I would say, yeah, that's, as I continue to reflect on a lot of uh, my songwriting, especially with this album, I would say a lot of it could be up to your interpretation and how you want to feel from it. Yeah. I've had a lot of singer songwriters tell me that, uh, that, you know, that um, they, you know, you can't control how someone of uh, the music consumer is going to take a particular uh, lyric or song that you write. Uh, but it is gratifying to know they're getting something out of it. It's true. That's you very know, that it's having some sort of impact on them uh, because we really can't control how people will take, will take a particular line or, or a particular tune. And, uh, uh, 
nor do I think that unless, of course, there is a very much a straightforward message you're trying to convey, uh, maybe that's not something we should worry a whole lot about. And and I think that's an interesting opportunity with music is not having full control over the experience, but maybe helping to provoke a certain experience you're feeling. Um, and that's something like I do in my, my creative, my other career in design is I build a lot of digital experiences. And I mm-hmm. think a lot about like, what that end user, we call them end users, might be dealing with at the time or what they need at that time. And I think in a way with music, I'm maybe trying to think of that as well too. It's like, we don't want to fully define it for them, but we want them, I kind of want to have leave it a little open-ended, but um, still have a little definition there or a little bit of guidance mm-hmm. there for them. So. Yeah, well, I, I find it interesting that you have a background in design. I uh, One of the courses I used to teach uh, toward the end of my career at the university was a course in creative thinking and problem solving. Sure. And not even in music, which is what my degree is in, but I volunteered to teach these courses for a new degree program that, that we had. And I was very intrigued by a book, and I wish I could remember the name of the author, except that she, the author of the book is uh, kind of like one of the head honchos at the design school, the D school at Stanford University. Nice. And so, of course, in design, you're engaged in a lot of creative thinking and problem solving of how to, you know, get from one point to another or how to uh, give a, a customer, you know, what is best for them and what they want. But I always like a line that she uh, used to use, you know, that we're building the plane while we're flying it. You know, you have to get the thing off the ground, but then you have to keep modifying as you go along. And that kind of leads me into, well, be, actually, I'm gonna, I want to ask you one more question before I, I get to the one I was about to ask. But are there any other songs on, on uh, your new album that I have not asked you about that you would like to comment? I, the only one, um, and I kind of briefly talked about it, was December. And, oh, yes. Uh, and that was actually the first song I ever wrote. Uh, that was on the album. So, um, so that was just a really special one for me. Again, I'm just so happy that my family was able to be a part of it. And um, that was definitely, I think, one of my favorites that that came out of the, the album. It just, it felt so surreal, especially for that one to be put together um, and recorded. And, and just, it felt so good because that was literally the first song I ever wrote. So for me, that was a real special one um, in, in the recording. Okay, well, good. So December was your first song. Yeah. All right. I'll go back and listen to that one again. Now, knowing that, see, it's, this is educational for me as well. Okay. Now the question I was about to ask before that one was, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, building the plane while you're flying it, you had a great production team and, and side musicians that, that uh, worked with you on the recording, how much of their direction and contribution built the final product of your songs on the album? That's a, a great question. And yeah, I was, again, really lucky to work with um, uh, my producer, Justin Rutledge, who is an incredible singer, songwriter and producer in Toronto and in Canada. And with his, like, he had so many amazing connections with between the studio that we ended up using. So we, we recorded at Union Sound um, with Chris Stringer um, and Darren McGill um, as sound engineers and, and Chris Stringer did the mixing as well too and then such an amazing band that played with us 
Um, and I think they all brought their their different take and their different influences. Like a lot of them come from the folk um, side of things as well too, or from like genres kind of, or they've worked with a lot of folk musicians before. Um, and Justin plays a similar genre of music as well too. So we definitely had kind of an innate sense of what I was going for. Like he he's someone I've always admired from a songwriter, songwriting and also a, a style, a style perspective as well too. So I kind of knew going into working with him that it was, there was already an alignment there. It wasn't as if we worked into completely different genres of music. Um, like there was already an alignment um, in that sense, but a lot of the band too are producers in their, in their own right as well too. Mm. So they all kind of have had really amazing perspective as well. Um, but yeah, I would say that the song still stayed really true to kind of what the original voice demos were. Um, but I think, it was just embellished so beautifully like they I'm just I can't even it, it feels like such a blur just that whole recording experience because it's also really quick too it was maybe three days with the full band and studio mm -hmm. and then two days just for overdubs and with uh fiddle and and dobro and pedal steel um so yeah I think everyone brought their own their own approach to it um mm -hmm. But I think Justin had had the most influence and was really incredible on in guiding everyone and, and orchestrating everything. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers the question for you there. Well, it does. It does. Because having done some, you know, recording in the studio myself, you know that there's a lot of things that you try and yeah. and you kind of tweak as you go along. And uh, and then because not maybe the original idea is maybe not your best one. You know, and, and that, that's another thing that the, the author of this book from the design school said, in order to get a good idea, you get, have to have a lot of ideas, which means you got to have a lot of bad ideas, right, to finally get the good one. But uh, one question I'd really like to hear you, you talk to, did any of your songs turn out differently after being in the studio than you conceived them going into the studio? And if so, which ones and how? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good question. Um, I would say two, two felt like a, a little bit different than maybe what I had anticipated them to be, but I really love how they turned out. Okay. It, December was one, actually. I it ended up having a dreamier kind of vibe to it. Um, we like just the pedals that were used, um, and like uh, Tom Yu has his uh, incredible guitar skills on on the record were amazing. And we we decided not to use pedal steel on all of the on all of the songs just to kind of give variety of like classic kind of folk country um, and bridging it with a bit more alt as well too. So we we kind of, it was really great actually, like just from Justin's expertise too, to say like, I think there should be variety. Every song shouldn't have the same, the exact same makeup of it. So with that song, we it was a slightly different approach where it was a little bit more of a, like a dreamy kind of approach. And I think that it really, it really played very well into the song. And I love that idea that came through um, with the song. And initially I would have thought to have plugged pedal steel into that song and made it feel a little more country. Um, but I think it has like kind of more of an indie um, alt folk vibe to it instead. So I like that it adds a bit more variety to, to the, the repertoire of all the songs. Um, 
And I think that that was something that I, I really appreciated having that perspective from a pro, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's important to have a bit of variety in each of the songs and, and the, the makeup of them. And then also I would say the other side for me was kind of unexpected. Like it was, I came into that one thinking it might be a little more, like it definitely came out a little more rock and roll than I would have thought initially going into it. But I also love that too. It was, it was a way for me to kind of experiment a little bit more on the um, Americana rock and roll side of things and and it's something that I think I I wouldn't mind trying a little bit more of to be honest too it, it's it's really fun and I think that um there's a lot of different ways to approach it too so I think it kind of got my my gears going a little bit in terms of um writing style and even just approach as well too so um those are the two that I felt were a little different okay. uh, than I anticipated going into it but I really love the final outcome of both of them so yeah well great and you've found some inspiration perhaps for your further uh songwriting and and work which leads me to my next question are you writing any new songs i, I have been i i took a bit of a break for a little bit just over the past a uh, couple months, I would say, just because there's been a lot, you know, being a um, an independent artist, there's a lot that goes into, um, you know, putting an album out and, uh, and also working in another industry as well, too. So I put writing on hold just for the last couple months. But before that, I was writing a little bit. And I think my goal now that the album is out, um, is, is to continue to write, especially as I'm playing more shows with the full band too, and, and getting to know um, these guys that I'm playing with right now a little bit better. Um, and getting also networking with other musicians now that things are opening up a little bit more in Toronto and in Canada as well too. There's more of an opportunity to get to know other songwriters to potentially do some co-writes and to also um, just be influenced by other people live. And I find like, I find seeing someone live is a very incredible, like moving experience that really does, I find trigger me to want to get back into writing or doing more of that. So I think now I have some capacity, like brain capacity to get back into that now that we've released. And, you know, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the next, the next things that, that we get going, but um, okay. I'm really excited to hopefully maybe do some more co-writes. I think that's something I haven't done as much of, and I just want to keep learning from other people, to be honest, I have so much to learn and I just want to keep learning from other, from others. So. Okay. Well, even if it's only at a conceptual level, now that Other Way Home is out, are you planning your next album? Um, I haven't fully uh, thought about it yet. I, I definitely, I would love to. Um, sure. So I think, I think if, I'm not sure when that would be, but um, I definitely want to maybe focus more on the idea of writing songs individually first and kind of putting the best songs I can together and then from there, seeing if it's something that I see worthwhile building an album around or, um, you know, finding other ways to share that music as well, too. So, sure. um, so yeah, I think that's a that's a really great question. And I don't know if I fully um, have gotten there yet, but ideally, mm -hmm. that would be amazing to do. <laughs> well, you know, you know, one of the big challenges of today, and I'm hearing this from musicians in Los Angeles, New York, uh, Memphis, Nashville, people I, I'm talking to, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, especially if, if they're, you know, kind of up and coming, uh, is that we have to wear a lot of hats. Not only do we have to be musicians, 
not only do we have to be the, the people who exert the leadership in terms of booking the studio and, and you know, finding a production team, but we also have to maintain our website. We have to do the, we have to do our marketing. We have to do da 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 da. da. And I had, uh, I forget it was who it was now, but they were telling me that that is a very tricky balance that they find because they don't want to get spending too much time on the non-musical elements because they still want to stay sharp on their instrument or keep up with their songwriting. But it is, it is something that is, it's a lot of work. People don't realize that, that, you know, it isn't uh, as easy as we sometimes make it look. Yeah. It's, and it's also, it's a time, it's an investment um, it's a time investment. It's a personal investment. It's a financial investment. There's there's so many factors to it that that really do play into um, to yourself, and it puts a lot of pressure on yourself too. So it's it's challenging for for so many artists, and um, and I that's something for me. Like again, this is a whole learning experience. This is my first time putting something like this together. So I've definitely learned a lot over the past, you know, year and a half of this process of, of putting music out and recording and, um, and everything that goes along with that as well to building up your team like that was something I wouldn't have known going into this whole process and, and I'm, I'm really grateful I've, I've worked with a, an amazing team and they've been so like helpful from a mentorship perspective along the way but yeah it's, it's, no doubt there's no manual guide to this, you know, and I think that's yeah. something that there's something, you know, if I'm, if I'm a designer, you know, looking at, at this as a problem space, I'm thinking there, there could be a, maybe a manual for this, for someone that's just getting into it or someone that's trying to figure out how they can do this better. And, um, yeah. but yeah, it's a learning experience. And I think the only way to go about it is just continue to work and learn from other people along the way. Yeah. And, um, and it's all about community. That's really a huge part of music. So uh, that's what music is. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you call, you end up calling in a lot of favors or asking a lot of advice from other people, like you know, what they did. And it's, it's a lot of work. You talked about the venue where you played Thursday night for your album release show. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, any other live shows that you might have coming up or venues where you might be appearing. And are you going to plan a tour at any time in the future? That's a good question. I, I've been so focused on getting to this release show and then also getting the album out. I, I'm hoping to book a little bit more over the summer and into the fall. So not sure mm -hmm. if it'll be a tour, but it might be, you know, more local um, within Ontario. Um, and then kind of go from there. I think we'll see how the release is going. And if we see that maybe we could reach out to another province or even maybe somewhere in the States, then maybe we'll find our way there. But for now, I think um, sticking locally, getting to know more of the Toronto community now that, you know, things have been opening up around here and in Ontario. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. I don't really have a full answer for that yet because we're, we're still figuring it out. But sure. But really hoping to be um, I'm excited to be playing some more shows and and also hopefully collaborating with some other artists too whether or not you know doing some backup vocals for them uh on on a show or um kind of figuring things out from there I think uh just want to be involved <laughs> well I think it's fair to say that uh COVID kind of put us all in cocoons and yeah. I think we're now just kind of coming out of those cocoons and learning how to flap our wings again and, and learning how to fly. And uh, I think you're, you're right that it's, it's best to, you know, kind of stick close and 
build build your base and 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 uh and kind of before you go you go from there um but uh i know myself uh i i just started playing out regularly again a month yeah. ago i mean where i'm playing someplace every week and uh and that's been uh been a little scary a little bit you know because you you know you haven't really been in front of a live audience on a regular basis for a while and and uh, but it starts to come back it's like riding a bicycle you, you your muscles remember yeah you know it's yeah true. yeah it's true. yeah that's well that's exciting i'm glad to hear that you're you're playing live again and that's yeah. that's really exciting to hear well you know i mean part of the reason i started this podcast almost two years ago now was because i wasn't able to get out and play and uh uh, or even do rehearsals. And uh, so I, I was yearning for a way to still uh, create some content and, and uh, still be the music educator that I am and, and, and helping to uh, inform the world about the, the universe of music. So that's kind of how that got going. And now I've got to where I enjoy doing it. And uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's work, but it's a lot of fun. Well, Meredith, is there anything else you would like to add or tell my audience that I haven't asked you about? You've asked some really incredible questions and all I want to say is just thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy the music that we're putting out. And um, thank you so much for having me. This is such a, a lovely conversation and I appreciate your time. Well, I, I appreciate hearing that. And yes, I remind uh, my audience that I do post uh, on my Facebook page, uh, links to Meredith's website or Facebook page, a couple of YouTube links. Uh, by the way, I love your version of Folsom Prison Blues that you do. Yeah. I had you. to, I posted that. I thought, you know, that's such a wonderful, unique way of doing that tune. Thank it's you. so, it's so unlike the way Johnny Cash did it. Right. And I love the fact that you took it down tempo and it's really, it's really more of a, you know, uh, it's great. That's all I'll say. I really like what you did. But Meredith, thank you for taking time to uh, talk with me today. I really do appreciate it. And I want uh, to wish you all the best with what I'm sure will be a continued successful musical future. Thank you so much, Craig. It was, it was such a lovely day. It's such a lovely time to chat with you. And I appreciate your time. This is amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. And you have a great rest of your day. You too. You too. Mm -hmm. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> My discovery composer of the week is Andrew Davis. Davis, who is from Boston, Massachusetts, has written for a variety of media, both acoustic and electroacoustic. Davis's early experiences in music were in local concert bands where he played trombone and in rock bands where he played electric guitar. Fused with a strong background in popular music, his music seeks to explore a variety of different genres and musical aesthetics. His works have been performed by groups such as the Jack Quartet, the Prism Quartet, Alarm Will Sound, Daedalus Quartet, the Argento Ensemble, Loadbang, the Boston New Music Initiative, the Luna Nova Ensemble, the University of Texas Wind Ensemble, the Yale Concert Band, the Florida State Wind Ensemble, and the University of Texas New Music Ensemble. <laughs>
He has received honors from ASCAP, BMI, the Lyra Society, and ISCM Texas, among others. Additionally, his music has been heard at a variety of festivals, including the Tutti Festival, Red Note Music Festival, Mizzou New Music International Composers Festival, New Music on the Point, and S-E-A-M-U-S. He has held residencies at Atlantic Center for the Arts and A-C-R-E. He earned a Bachelor of Arts in Music from Yale University, a Master of Music in Composition from the University of Texas at Austin in 2012, a PhD in Composition from the University of Pennsylvania in 2017, and a Master of Science in Computer Science from Stanford University in 2018. He currently teaches at Wellesley College. A list of his works may be found on his website. Also, a number of audio and video recordings of Davis's compositions may also be found on his website. Links to Davis's website are included in my show notes. That wraps episode number 89. My show notes, along with links to artist websites, recording label websites, YouTube videos of artist performances are all posted on my Facebook page, The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. Next week, I'll be interviewing New York City-based jazz pianist Mickey Yamanaka. We have a great discussion about recording and performing in New York, as well as her weekly live stream show with special guests each week. Other upcoming interviews include Los Angeles-based drummer and composer Daniel Schnell, New York City-based jazz guitarist, composer, and educator Alex Wentz, and Lansing, Michigan-based jazz trombonist and composer Michael Deese. So don't touch that dial and stay tuned. If you have questions, comments, or a suggestion of an artist, composer, or musical style for me to consider, you may email me at h-u-r-s-t-c at u-w-m dot e-d-u. So until next time, this is Professor Craig W. Hurst and Carmel the Wonder Dog signing off from the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Have a great day.